Hello, and welcome to In Person, where we explore the world's most daring events and the people who make them happen. In case we haven't already met, I'm Brandon Robinson. So far on the show, we've spoken with experts in the software and publishing industries. In today's episode, we'll be speaking to Hugh Forrest, the chief programming officer behind what is the biggest cultural happening in the United States. Of course, I'm talking about South by Southwest. Part film festival, part music festival, part conference, and part so much more, South by Southwest has hosted the launch of companies like Twitter and Foursquare, and it's where brands like HBO, LinkedIn, Bumble, NBC Universal, Uber, and Gatorade have served unforgettable activations. I really could go on about the A-list speakers featured there, including political heavyweights like Senator Elizabeth Warren and former Speaker of the House John Boehner, entrepreneurs like the Winklevoss twins Guy Kawasaki, actors like Zoe Saldana and Ethan Hawke, comedians, journalists, designers, authors, scientists, and more. I could also spend a ton of time talking about the sheer diversity of topics covered here, from politics and gaming, to blockchain, renewable energy, and the creative process itself. But quite frankly, I'd like to get to the part of the show where Hugh shares his perspectives on leading the creation of content at South by Southwest, and I think you would too. But first, just a little bit more about Hugh. As mentioned, Hugh is the Chief Programming Officer at South by Southwest. He is also the director of South by Southwest Interactive Festival. Hugh has been with South by Southwest since 1989 and was their first full-time employee. He's seen firsthand how the event has scaled from a gathering of hundreds to a gathering of hundreds of thousands. During this discussion, Hugh shares his perspectives on curating great content, what it takes to maintain a strong sense of community at an event with hundreds of thousands of attendees, and how events can bring people together in an increasingly digital and, at times, divisive world. Before we dive into the show, I'd like to ask a small favor. Yes, it's that favor. If you have enjoyed In Person so far, you can help others find out about the show by leaving a heartwarming review on iTunes. Of course, it would mean a lot to us as well. We appreciate you listening, and we think you're really going to enjoy today's conversation with Hugh from South by Southwest. So, enough of the preamble. Let's get to it. Hugh, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to dig into your perspectives on content. Obviously, uh, South by Southwest is a huge event and has grown exponentially over the past, well, 30 years or so. Uh, so really curious on your perspectives on how the events has changed and some lessons that have been learned along the way. But for starters, I want to start with your origins with South by Southwest. I know that you were the first full-time employee or the founding employee, as you've mentioned in the past, over in uh, 1989. I'm curious, what led you to South by Southwest? And once you joined the organization, what was your journey like to the role you have today? Well, yes, I, I started slightly more than 30 years ago. It was, as with a lot of things in life, I didn't have any comprehension at that point that this would go on to be a, a job that I was that would work at for the next two, three decades. South by Southwest was certainly a very, very small thing at that point, or certainly much smaller than it is now. 
And my uh, specific involvement was more like them leading to me. I knew the people who were doing this young event called South by Southwest. I, I knew them because I, uh, I was a writer and I was somewhat involved with the Austin Chronicle because it was an outlet to write for. I had, uh, I had a Mac computer and, and I got pulled in because I had a Mac Plus and South by Southwest didn't. So my initial entree into the company was the fact that I had this hardware and that they, uh, in year two, decided that it was time to move from keeping all their records on paper or uh, three by five cards to a computer. But that said, you know, South by Southwest, even in those early days, combined and leveraged so many of the things that make me like living in Austin, make me love living in Austin, a celebration of creativity, a celebration of music, a celebration of how you can craft a life doing the things that you want to do uh, on your own terms, as opposed to what someone else wants you to do. So Again, those were some pretty compelling reasons to stay involved with South by Southwest after I came on board. Over those 30 years, the event and the company has certainly changed a ton. We've gone from one employee that was me to, to 200 or so employees. We've gone from a small one-room office that was part of another office to just launching a or opening a, a new building that we helped put together. We've gone from an event that only focuses on music to an event that focuses on music and film and technology and startups and government and food and style and blockchain and cannabis and sports and all kinds of other things. So again, has really, really changed a ton over that 30 years. The thing that hasn't changed and the reason that I'm still here 30 years later is that focus on creativity, that focus on innovation, on celebrating what makes humans humans, which is um, creative thinking, creative approaches. And I think that's one of the things that makes South by Southwest so, so special. That's so cool. And so you are the chief programming officer at South by Southwest. Could you tell us a little bit about what that role entails, especially concerning that South by Southwest covers so many uh, different types of content? Yeah, that is a fancy, fancy way to say that I uh, answer a lot of emails or I answer many emails and hopefully don't ignore too many of them. My role at South by Southwest is to oversee all the content that happens during the day, that is panels, presentations, keynotes, uh, meetups, mentor, what we call mentor sessions, anything that happens during the day that our badge holders can uh, learn from, make new connections at, network at, those types of things. And then I also oversee the music festival, which brings together about 2,000 bands over the space of six or seven nights, and the South by Southwest Film Festival, which showcases about 250 films over the space of nine nights. So again, I oversee all the content at the event, and uh, I would say the operative word in that sentence is oversee. I'm not directly involved in most of this. I'm involved with managing or meeting with a person who has 
more uh, expertise and insight in their particular area. On its best days, it is a great job in the sense that I'm working with creative people who are also working with a very, very creative community. And and it's a front seat to so many interesting ideas, interesting projects, interesting cultural happenings, uh, all of which we try to showcase, try to find a home for at South by Southwest. And I think you're being a little modest. I mean, I understand that you take this more overview approach. And as you said, you're often working with the people who are expertise in these areas. But I mean, you've done some pretty uh, amazing contributions to the overall content process, uh, one of which was the, the panel picker, which you launched in 2007. And it's this innovative crowdsourcing uh, approach to finding content. Could you tell us a little bit more about Panel Picker and sort of what led you to the creation of this system? Absolutely. Um, Panel Picker is a topic I love to talk about. I do think it's one of the our, our better contributions to the overall ecosystem of conference and event and festival planning. Uh, we started pan- this thing called Panel Picker about... 12 years ago at this point, the name is a nod to, I, I always love alliteration and it helps me remember things if I have word, you know, two words in a row that start with the same letter. But the um, general idea here was as follows. I had done a lot of the programming, worked on a lot of the conference programming in some of the earlier days of South by Southwest. And a lot of that was done by you know, me reading a story in, in Wired magazine or Time magazine or, you know, Sports Illustrated or People or whatever and saying, oh, this is a pretty interesting topic. Let me see if I can track down some of the people who are mentioned in this story and, and maybe we can put together a panel about it. So it was uh, me or other people on my staff, you know, reaching out and trying to convince these people to speak at the event. And that system worked pretty well on a lot of levels. But invariably or inevitably, I would the best content that came to South by Southwest or that we had at South by Southwest was when someone reached out to me and said, hey, I'm an expert in, you know, uh, uh, I am an expert in this new thing called social media. And I've got three other friends from around the U.S. who are also experts in slightly different ways. Why don't why don't we put together a panel on social media? And I say, well, that's great. You guys know this topic a lot better than I do. So that was always, we'd always see the best, uh, or, or often see the best content that way and thought a lot about how can we make that process more formal, more open to uh, more people where they can be giving their ideas to us and we can be choosing from the best ideas of those as opposed to us reaching out. So we thought about this a lot. We created an interface um, that we titled the panel picker. It, the upsides of this interface, it allowed anyone with an internet connection to input a speaking proposal. And then that speaking proposal was then displayed on a second interface where the online community could, uh, in internet parlance, upvote or downvote it, comment on it, and we could get some real interesting feedback on what the community most wanted to see. When we first launched the panel picker in 12, 13 years ago, we thought, well, maybe we'll get 20 or 30 ideas this way, and maybe we'll use one or two of them uh, as programming at the event. It's an interesting experience. And, you know, lo and behold, we got 
500 ideas the first year we did it. And wow, there's a lot of really interesting stuff there. So it was an interface that immediately resonated with this community, with this tech community that appreciated and understood the interactivity it offered um, and the transparency it offered and liked the ability to have a say in what we were programming. It certainly had a, you know, was a, there's a little bit of a tip of the hat there to the open source community um, and certainly a large tip of the hat to just this overall idea that uh, you are part of a community and that the community, that sections of the community are, are smarter in some ways than you are and other sections are smarter in other ways than you are. So again, kind of trying to harness the power of the community. Over the years, the panel picker has continued to grow. Uh, we will... Uh, over the last few years, we typically got about 5,000 total ideas from innovative and creative people from all over the U.S. and all over the world. Those ideas are, again, displayed on an interface, and anyone can vote on them, comment on them. That creates a score for each idea. We also have an advisory board that rates each idea and staff rates each idea. So each idea gets kind of a score and review those scores very, very extensively. And hopefully that helps us choose some of the best content for the event. So from those 5,000 ideas that come in through the panel picker, about 700 or 800 will be part of the event. And that's, that's again, neat. That helps us get new speakers into the event. It helps us get new ideas into the event, ideas that very creative people are working on that may not have floated to the into the mainstream yet. Uh, the panel picker also, in many ways, serves as a barometer of what our community is interested in. Meaning, one year we'll have, you know, fifteen proposals about quantum. The next year we have forty proposals about quantum computing, and we understand that wow, there's a big uptick in interest there. So it's valuable in that regard. It's also valuable in just again creating a point of contact, a way that people can engage uh, with South by Southwest during the summer months when we're typically don't have a whole lot of other ways to engage with the community. So again, in the biggest picture, the panel picker is an outgrowth of my belief and I think of the belief of a lot of people who work at South by Southwest and the power of the community, that the community has some great ideas that the power of the internet and other connected technologies allow us to leverage in a way that we couldn't have ever imagined doing, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. There's so much to unpack right there um, in terms of just the the amount of success you've had with it, the amount of entries in terms of the unique approach you've taken with having an advisory board and having a little bit of curation into the mix and the rating and all of that. But one question I want to ask you real quick is what is an example of something that was submitted through Panel Picker that really was impressive? <laughs> well, I think one of the, the most interesting examples of something that came in through Panel Picker that shows both the strengths and the weaknesses of the interface was, you know, seven or eight years ago, there was a small social media company that put an idea into the Panel Picker. And, and again, we typically the panel picker will be open and is open in July. So, so that process happens in the summer before the spring when South by Southwest occurs. And, and this idea from this social media company, you know, we, it got a few votes, 
not a whole lot. So less than average number of votes. The advisory board who reviews uh, speaking ideas kind of liked it, but no one was crazy about it. Uh, staff kind of liked this idea, but not crazy about it. So this idea, I think, made it into our maybe pile, uh, which is definitely a pretty big pile. But uh, again, it, it's something that how uh, we should think about more about this. And and uh, what's interesting is the from the time that that idea came in uh, in the summer and to when we finally needed to make decisions on these the ideas in the maybe pile, which was late November, December. Uh, that small social media company had gotten a lot more attention, and we realized that, hmm, this small co- social media company probably has some legs. Okay, so at this point in the story, I'm just dying to know, what was this company? <laughs> that that small startup was Pinterest, who had, who oh, wow. had entered a, a speaking proposal, and um Again, they they had begun to uh, in the summer uh, when they'd entered. Pinterest was at one place in their journey. Three months later, they began to gain more traction, significantly more traction, and we realized it made sense for them to be in the event and pulled them in. And in fact, I think they were voted one of the best panels of the event. But you know that story is is fun because we've all heard of the company. Obviously, it, it indicates the strengths and the weaknesses of the panel picker that we had this uh, emerging or this startup that that was destined to do some great things, want to participate in South by Southwest and use this interface to participate. It also indicates the the weaknesses of the panel picker and that it isn't always immediately obvious what the best uh, ideas are or what the best startups are. And we had, you know, numerous people review this one and, and didn't, uh, it didn't immediately stand out as, oh, yeah, well, you got to do this one. This company's going to go on and have an IPO in 10 years and be, you know, phenomenal or something. But it's one of the stories that, that I always remember and think about and talk about. And it always gets a reaction out of people when, when you mention that one. Yeah, no, that's crazy. There are dozens of other stories, some similar of startups that have been involved that you didn't know at the time, but wow, they went on to do other things. Um, there are also, uh, again, lots of great stories from the panel picker of seeing those micro trends and understanding or learning from the micro trends and the panel picker, and then seeing those play out into larger trends in the greater technology ecosystem. Okay, so could I throw out a buzzword real quick? <laughs> Everyone loves buzzwords. So you know, to do. me, to me, Hugh, this sounds like a really novel example of big data. Yeah, it is. Uh, absolutely on big data. It is somewhat rudimentary there. I mean, uh, every year, once the panel picker entries are in, I spend a lot of time just doing word searches. You know, how many times was uh, word searches for the descriptions that people write for the panel picker ideas? and those, again, are, are very rudimentary and basic. It's comparing for the 2020 interface, how many proposals do we have that mentions, you know, Donald Trump in the description versus how many we had a year ago. And, you know, that's that's <laughs> basic info that one small human can do. And uh, but, but again, it's just some interesting insight year over year in terms of what our community 
is interested in, what has gone up in interest, what has gone down in interest, and provide some insights into what kind of ideas and what kind of thought processes are, are powering the overall tech ecosystem. So to sort of summarize the, the very content-focused section of our discussion today, what's a piece of advice you'd give to someone who is looking to put together good content for an event? Well, I think that uh, my, my first piece of advice, my best piece of advice, whether it is someone who is entering a speaking proposal in the panel picker or someone who is thinking of launching a, an event or even someone who's putting together a, a lecture, that type of thing, uh, is to aim for depth over width. People, whether it's South by Southwest attendees or people who are going to any kind of conference, people want to learn a deep dive into the topic at hand. And that tends to provide a, a richer experience, a better experience than trying to cover way too much ground in the space of 30 minutes or an hour. So said another way, you know, uh, you're not aiming for the proverbial mile wide and inch deep. You're aiming for an inch wide and a mile deep really something that is a strong, deep, specific focus on the topic at hand. And having read uh, many, many speaking proposals, literally thousands and thousands of speaking proposals by the South by Southwest panel picker, that is one of the biggest mistakes that we'll see where people are putting together a, a speaking proposal on the you know, the history of social media. Well, that, that's really hard to cover that whole history of social media in the space of an hour. That's a that's an entire conference, not one particular session. So instead, maybe let's focus on the, you know, what happened in social media in, in 2015 or something, one year or even, you know, one three-month period. But again, my advice uh, or my answer to your question on tips for people putting together content is, Go deep, young man. Go deep, young woman. Don't <laughs> don't don't go wide. Um, I wish somebody had told me that back when I was writing research papers <laughs> in high school. But no, that that's huge. And you know, come to think of it, I've listening to some of the feedback I've heard from other attendees and even some other event organizers when it comes to content at events, it comes back to this where it's, well, you know, we talked a lot about on the surface of of some issues and challenges, but we really didn't dive deep. And to just hear you phrase it like like such. It makes total sense. Good. Yeah, and I will say that as well. I mean, uh, this is something that we continue to struggle with, as with all events, that you, even having that understanding and knowledge that you want to provide a deeper dive, um, it's a point of feedback we'll almost always get that, gosh, there were some great sessions, but I wish more sessions had provided a deeper perspective as opposed to a wider perspective. For sure. All right, so I want to pivot the conversation to community, something that is very near and dear to South by Southwest, from what I understand. And to start with, I know that Southwest has scaled greatly since 1987 when it first launched. At the time then, there were 700 attendees. In 2019, all of the offerings at the event, from music to film to educational sessions, brought in around 250,000 consumers. Um, and that's just the consumers, not other people who might be affiliated with the event. And so on the one hand, you know, this is crazy exponential growth for South by Southwest. And I think it really speaks to the 
resonance that South by Southwest has had with the, the greater community. But on the other hand, I know that this has introduced some challenges as well in terms of providing an environment, can connect, forge personal relationships. And that's something, again, that I know is, is very valuable to South by Southwest. So what are some ways that in, in the face of this, this rapid growth that you and your team have sought to foster in-person connections? Well, uh, absolutely agreed that as an event organizer, you're trying to grow and increase numbers of your event. But that said, quantity is almost always the enemy of quality and uh, scaling communities, whether they're virtual communities or physical communities, is extremely difficult. So it's great to grow. It's great to see numbers increase year over year, which we've been lucky enough to generally experience that at South by Southwest. But again, the growth in numbers uh, makes running an event even more challenging. So more specifically to your question of how do you break down those numbers and continue to try to provide a experience where people can make meaningful one-on-one connections, certainly what we have done a lot more in the last 10 years and even more so in the last five years is create or develop um, or offer more meetup type programming at South by Southwest and meetup being, you know, there's a specific place and a specific time that if you are a web developer who focuses on Ruby, that's where you can go to meet fellow Ruby developers. Or if you want to hire a Ruby developer, uh, that's where you can go. Uh, we'll have other meetups that focus on specific countries or specific cities or specific attributes or interests or entrepreneurs in the mobile space or entrepreneurs from the LGBTQ community, all those kinds of things with the, the context that you're just breaking down a very large event into smaller component pieces that are easier to digest and easier for people to make connections at. We also offer a lot of what we call mentor sessions, which are one-on-one meetings where someone can get direct advice from a, a, a quote, industry expert and do a lot of other things like that that, again, help break down this uh, increasingly large and to a degree a hard to digest event into something that that is much easier to focus on, much easier to make connections on. And in that sense, you know, uh, on the one hand, lots of uh, event organizers want to grow. On the other hand, I think that growth is overrated. Uh, there is so much you can do and so much more freedom you have with a relatively smaller event to provide connections that are meaningful for people. And I think that we have to remember as event organizers that one of the things that is most important to an attendee experience is being able to meet, connect, network, establish valuable professional and personal relationships at a conference. Yes, it's great to be able to go to a a lecture or a presentation or a panel where you n- learn something new. That's a big part of conference going, but even bigger is the whole networking factor of making a new connection with someone who can help your specific career path immediately or somewhere down the future. And if you can create spaces within an event 
that make it easier for people to do that, then you've got the beginnings of something successful. I appreciate that emphasis on networking and creating those smaller communities so much. I mean, when it comes to events, it feels like there is such a, a tough balance to providing great content and making sure you know you have all of those boxes checked, but then also making sure you you are creating those opportunities for people to meet and going out of your way to create those opportunities as well. Absolutely, and I think that you know we, certainly we live in a content rich world at this point. It is great to be able to go to a session and see Jeff Bezos deliver a lecture on where he sees commercial space travel, <laughs> you know, evolving to in the next five years. That's fascinating. But realistically, I can probably watch that on YouTube, right? I can probably find a video online where he's doing the same thing. And I can watch that from the comfort of my couch. And I don't have to worry about a lot of other things. Um, what events provide is the ability to potentially connect directly with Jeff Bezos and say, hey, I want to be on that first <laughs> flight to Mars um, or connect with other very, very compelling people in real time, face to face setting. And as much as we've changed and improved technology to be able to connect with people, nothing yet replaces real time face to face interactions in terms of creating new opportunities. 100%. Now, sort of counter to what we were just talking about, about the value of uh, in-person, face-to-face connection, uh, I want to talk a little bit about social media. And I understand that social media has been a significant part of South by Southwest growth. And I understand to some extent it has also proved to be somewhat challenging I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about the double-edged nature of social media and how you and your team have sort of learned to handle it. Absolutely. Social media is a huge part of how South by Southwest grew and particularly how we grew in the period from, say, 2007 to 2015. We were or even earlier, 2000, 2005 to 2015, we were in the right place, the right time with a lot of the early pioneers of this medium. And it's hard to conceive of in 2019, but, but yeah, there was a time when lots of us uh, were just learning what the social media stuff was, how it could be used in both a personal and professional setting. And again, we were offering that kind of information to people. And ahead of the curve in terms of offering that and, and saw so much growth there. Certainly one of our most famous events within the, the South by Southwest history is 2007 when Twitter essentially launched at South by Southwest and that caused a, a huge upturn in our growth where more and more startups wanted to be involved in the event, and more and more VCs wanted to be involved in the event to, to meet the next Twitter. And then we, a couple of years later, Foursquare launched at uh, South by Southwest, a few years after that, Airbnb, which less about social media, but also about ways of connecting people, Meerkat in 2015. So again, a lot of these social media platforms are uh, very, very central to our growth. But I, uh, per your question, <laughs> you know, we, I think most of us understand that in 2019, we are in a little bit of a different place as a society in terms of social media. And we've come to realize, come to understand that in addition to all the ways that social media connects us, 
social media has has uh, emphasized, accelerated, reinforced a lot of the divisions uh, in our society, and in many ways disconnected us and contributed to the very divided times that we live in now. And we better understand the challenges of, of regulating hate speech or negative speech on social media and understand the challenges of that in terms of a constitutional framework. Well, uh, the Constitution says one thing, but the, did the Constitution understand what <laughs> what the Internet would look like 200 years uh, forward? So again, I think we're in a very different place on social media now in 2019, a very different place than we were even five years ago. And that certainly puts us in a very different place or very interesting place as at South by Southwest because it's been such a big part of our growth. I hope that in 2020 and 2021 and moving forward at South by Southwest will be a, a leading voice in how to create the next wave of social media that is uh better at connecting us uh, to the things we like and better at also regulating the things that pull us apart, whether that is a platform that's a paid platform that mitigates some of the problems that way, whether there are some other ways that smart people figure out how to improve the landscape we're in now. But again, it's, you know, we've kind of come full circle in, in social media from this is the greatest thing ever to no, this isn't the greatest thing ever. And the, the role of events like South by Southwest at this point is to figure out how we can change some of these problems for the better and produce better outcomes for everybody. Right. And I'm so glad you mentioned that. Uh, I know that you believe that South by Southwest and, and, and events can really play a special role in the global climate of 2019 and some of the divisions that you face. How do you see that role playing out? Well, I think that at a most basic level, events like South by Southwest, you bring together and hopefully amplify some of the smartest voices in the room, people who have new ideas on how to improve social media, how to improve a number of other things in our society. And people go to these events, these ideas get traction from events, um, influencers push them out, uh, traditional media pushes them out, and hopefully you arrive at s- some solutions there. I think that events like South by Southwest also <clears throat> serve as inspiration and serve to remind us that just, again, the power of face-to-face connections and remind us that social media can do some great things, but that the greatest thing of all, is, or, or even greater than what social media can do, is is face to face interactions with people who are uh, of the same tribe, or people who aren't of the same tribe yet, and realize that they are of the same tribe. And I've played around with this idea in many settings that events like South by Southwest are in many ways, kind of the new church. We serve a lot of the functions that institutions like the church have traditionally served. We bring people together. We offer fellowship. We offer inspiration. We offer new ideas. We offer networking. And hopefully when they leave at the at the end of the church session or at the end of South by Southwest, they're in a better, more inspired place uh, and can go out and do good things in the world. Okay, well, we don't have too much time left. 
Um, but I do have a few more questions I'd love to ask you, Hugh. First of all, what is another organization out there that you think is really doing a great job when it comes to creating in-person experiences? I, I think there are numerous organizations that do this at a, at a large scale or in terms of a brand that we all recognize and understand. I think Ted does a phenomenal job at this and do a particularly good job at creating content that can be shared virtually, whether it's you know a, a TED Radio Hour or TED Talks absorbed by video, they do great things there. But I also think that you know so many of the smaller events that are hosted at co-working spaces around the U.S. and around the world achieve some great results also. And part of the, the greatness of those results is that they are a relatively smaller event. These events are typically you know, 10 to 20 people, they're free, they provide a way for people to connect, learn things, network, create new opportunities. So again, that's where so much of this is happening as well. And I think the common thread between a smaller event at a local co-working space and a larger event like South by Southwest or TED is, again, that feeling of community, that uh, importance of community and understanding that bringing people together in one place at one time is more powerful even than being together online in some kind of chat room, that type thing. If you could give an earlier version of yourself one piece of advice, uh, what would it be and why? I, I mean, I think that what I would say now to earlier self is uh, be more patient and understand that building anything of value takes a lot of time. And that's something I <laughs> need to continue telling myself because I'm, I'm too often impatient and want things to happen immediately. But one of the secrets, or if not the main secret of South by Southwest, is simply we've been doing it for 30 years and grew a little bit every year and add that all together over three decades and it amounted to a, a ton of growth. But again, the, the lesson there being that it didn't happen all at once. It happened fairly slowly, fairly organically. It was often one step backwards in terms of a mistake made, but then two steps forward in terms of that mistake rectified and improved and, and other things fixed. Again, that's a that kind of... Uh, a, slow and organic approach is hard for you to understand when you're 25 years old. It's also under, hard for you to understand when you're 45 years old. But when you look back at the arc of uh, what you put together, the realization is, yeah, that I, you know, we did put something together that was pretty cool, but it took us a while to do that. Great. And how do you stay inspired and keep your creative instincts fresh? Uh, I, I, the more I can connect with our particular community or our specific community, the more inspired I, I am. You know, seeing the new ideas, brainstorms, new innovations that the community has, and, and certainly seeing that through the panel picker is one of the things that keeps me going. Certainly, another thing that I always love is I love hearing from attendees of South by Southwest when they say that this is my favorite time of the year or I, I came here, I got a new job out of it. I met someone who eventually became my co-founder who funded my company. I met my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my my wife, my husband, 
I was a, you know, life-changing event. That is really neat to have, have played a small role in building something that is that meaningful to a lot of people. And that's one of the things that keeps me inspired in terms of South by Southwest is getting that kind of positive feedback and hearing from people who the event, uh, who we've been lucky enough to impact at the event. Awesome. Well, that's our time, Hugh. It's been such a pleasure to hear about your journey through South by Southwest and beyond your philosophy towards content and uh, building a community. So thank you once again, Hugh, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. These are things I always love to talk about, about community and some of the lessons we've learned in this low growth factor. So I, I hope I've given a little more context and inspiration to uh, others and inspired them to do much better things than what we've done at South by Southwest. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you for listening. And a big thanks to Hugh for joining us. If you think anyone else in your network, your coworker, your boss, your arch rival would find this conversation valuable, please, please share it. Again, you can also help us spread the word by leaving a glowing review on iTunes. What would you like to see us talk about on the show? Who would you like to see us interview? Let us know by using the guest submission form at inpersonpodcast.com and sending topic suggestions or any other feedback for that matter to in-person at bizabo.com. Again, that's in-person at bizabo.com. Would love to hear what you think. Okay, until next time, I'm Brandon Raffleson, and this has been In Person. <laughs>